0: A trigger warning, this episode contains graphic details of domestic violence. Some names have been removed for legal reasons. Welcome to This Is Me. My name is Siobhan. We all know someone with a battle. This weekly podcast is where I talk with everyday Australians as they share their life-changing moments. Some of these stories are sad but all of them are inspiring. So I'm sitting in the back seat of my car at the moment with a very special friend of mine, Amanda, who I was thinking of back... I think we met back in 2013, maybe 2014. Yeah, a long time ago. It was quite a while ago. Back then, I had not long had my second child, so I was at a stage That's where I was, right. I was feeling pretty... Unfit and unhealthy, and I joined a gym, and I started doing a TRX class. It was, and I used to see this woman running on the treadmill in, in the setup in front of the um, where the TRX was, and I just admired her. She was younger oh. than me. She had amazing physique, a great bum. used to. Not narrow. And just had commitment and dedication and was really fit. And I used to look and a, a girlfriend of mine used to look and we'd go, oh, I'd love to look like that. Mm. And then this woman started joining my TRX class and we became really close friends. Very close. Yeah. So back then, Amanda, I, I would look at you and I think this woman has it all. She's gorgeous looking. Mm. <laughs> She's got a job in fashion. Really happy, bubbly, beautiful girl. A great cook. Mm. Loved her cooking. Two beautiful young boys mm-hmm. and a handsome husband. What looked like a perfect life?
1: Mm-hmm. There's some stains on your photo
0: The all cracks on your rusty frame. How was your life? go back to the start about when you first met your partner. How? When, when what year did you meet?
1: Um I was, hold on. It's okay. Um I was about 23 or 24 and he ticked the boxes, Good looking, good job, um, dressed well, all the superficial things that I thought were very important when I was young. And how was your life as a couple before you had children? It was was good. It was good. It was when my eldest son was born. I became um, dependent on my ex-husband, financially and emotionally, that things started to change. My ex-husband always thought it was his money, not ours. Where did you first meet your partner? In Newcastle, at a brewery on a Sunday afternoon. I had seen him at a brewery and then I was leaving with friends and he drove behind the car and my girlfriend pulled over and his mate passed through his number to give to me. What did you think? Were you expecting that? No. So my girlfriend had messaged him pretending to be me and then I was sitting there having a few drinks with my girlfriends and he came and sat down beside me. So you met when you
0: were 23, did you say? Mm-hmm. What was your relationship like as a young couple? Good. Did you have lots of laughs, lots of fun. Yeah, and lots of
1: arguments, still. But just normal.
0: And how long were you dating before you got married? 4 years. Were you happy? Yes.
1: I can't remember too much about the early stages anymore. I feel like a lot of good memories have been tarnished and I don't know if it's just your mind protecting yourself. Um, I don't... I honestly remember feeling happy, but I can't remember why I was happy with him anymore. The last five, six years of our marriage was so horrendous that I just can't remember why I
0: was in love with him. How long into your marriage were you when you had your first child? Only a year. And during your pregnancy, in the early stages of having a firstborn, what was life like? It was fine. But it just didn't take long for things
1: to change. My firstborn was three months old when it was my 30th birthday. And there was a dust storm in Newcastle. I had forgot about my birthday and I can't remember what it was about but it was Probably the first of many really horrible fights. It was probably the first time he actually scared me. The viciousness of what he was saying and his eyes. And I remember being scared that it was a look that I'd never seen before in him. I just remember feeling really desperately sad that it was my 30th birthday. I had this newborn baby that cried a lot and feeling scared on my birthday.
0: Were there any signs of physical violence no. at that time? No. No. So you've had two children with this person. Mm -hmm. Did you think that things did change after having your first child? Was it children that maybe made the change?
1: I had a beautiful home. I had two children. I had a husband that earned very good money, he's good-looking, well-dressed, and I just thought everybody has something bad and that was just ours. I have psoriasis that's on my body that my ex-husband is very aware of how unsettled I am about it and how self-conscious I am. And I remember he used to use that against me a lot and say, look at you, nobody's going to want to touch you. Mm -hmm. And I could remember thinking he's right. He's right. This is the best that I'm going to do.
0: What was he like as a dad?
1: Very good. Very hands-on. Very good dad. Was he away a lot? A lot. Once he started travelling globally, I was on my own without family here and that's why I had very good support of my girlfriends. I feel that part in his career was the first stage of the breakdown of our marriage. I felt like when he travelled for weeks on end stay in beautiful places. But I felt when he came home, it was just about the boys. I really began to feel like a doormat, that I was there to cook, clean, wash his shirts, take care of the boys. The attention just went, and everything went into the boys.
0: Now, you moved as a family to South Africa. Yes. How long ago was that? Nearly.
1: We've been home nearly three years, so about five years ago. And why did you move there? Because I was desperate to save my marriage. We had been in counselling and he had been offered this role as a director over there and my youngest son was about to start school and I really did not want to go. I thought if I didn't go, he would blame me for him not having that huge advantage to promote his career. Little did I know that was going to destroy our marriage. I would have never have gone to
0: Johannesburg. How was life in Johannesburg?
1: Awful. I was, again, with a husband that put 110% of any energy after his work into the boys. I was isolated in a gated community. I didn't have any friends. And I was very, very, very lonely. How long were you there for?
0: 18 months. Were the children at school during this time? Yes. I recall you actually telling me you had the option of having this amazing home, huge homes and servants, and you made different choices, didn't you, because you wanted to be more of a, a hands-on mother.
1: Yes, I didn't feel the need. The, the schooling hours in Johannesburg, they start at 7.30am and finish at one thirty. I didn't see it necessary to have a nanny. You have to remember Johannesburg is a very, very different place to what we're used to. There were five times I couldn't send the boys to school because there was gang violence and shooting outside of our gated complex. Turf battles between feuding gangs means hundreds of lives are lost every year, many of them bystanders, unable to escape the bullets. And I feel that you would have to have a lot of network of friends to live the best life over there, Mm. or it's quite a lonely existence. My ex-husband was travelling to America and around Africa at the same time, so I was quite literally dated in a community with no support network and just my two small
0: children. You didn't go as a family and you stayed in Brisbane? mm -hmm. Do you think life would be different now?
1: I don't know. I just know that moving to Johannesburg, whether my marriage was going to break down in Australia, it would have been better if it happened here because I had the support network. I was in my home. I had a car. Coming back from Johannesburg, I had nothing except my support network of my beautiful friends.
0: You were in Johannesburg. There was a contract for a longer period of time, but you came back early. Yes, I did. Did you come back with the children?
1: And with my ex-husband. Okay.
0: And was that a decision you made as a family? My only
1: friend over there, Lisa had got in contact with my cousin and a very good friend of mine, Leela, and told them that (laughs) had started to become physically violent towards me. There was one incident that happened in front of the boys where he kicked in the door to get to me. And my eldest son still says, I saved your life that night, mummy. So Lisa had informed my parents of that particular night because I sustained injuries. And my parents contacted his HR department and he was terminated from his role as in South Africa.
0: Can I ask how old your son, who now says I saved have. your life, how old was he? when he witnessed this happening to his mother?
1: He was only eight. It was actually his birthday party the very next day at Bounce. And I'll never forget that my ex-husband joked about how his heel was sore from kicking in the door to me.
0: Why did he have to kick in a door? What was happening?
1: I had moved myself into my younger son's room a few weeks prior to that, and it had a lock on it. It was a very big, thick wooden door. Mike's husband took the boys down for a pizza at the clubhouse. We had been arguing and fighting that day, so I thought I would lock myself in the room before he came home to avoid any more confrontation. What
0: made you think you had to lock yourself away? Like, that's not a normal thought process. I'd
1: previously been to the police. The reason I went to the police station is he came back from dropping the boys to school. He continued to yell all sorts of abuse at me. He spat in my face very, very, very mad at me. And I just had a sick sense that it was going to escalate. Domestic violence is a national crisis. One woman a week and one man a month are killed by a
0: current or former... He
1: had, a few days before, had taken the boys' passports, had shown me that he had the boys' passports, and he took them into his work with him and he told me if I was thinking about running, I should do it on my own. I guess the the awful part about abuse is that you actually do start convincing yourself that it is your fault. My ex-husband used to cry after it and tell me how sorry he was and that he was only human. He could only take so much from me. And you, you actually start to believe that you are a really bad person. And in that time of the abuse escalating, I then used to turn to drinking alcohol, which obviously did not help things whatsoever. But I just wanted to numb
0: the pain. If we go back to the time where the boys had gone for pizza with their father, mm mm-hmm. And you were in your youngest son's room and you'd lock the door.
1: I'd lock the door and it had been a few weeks of it building up since I initially went to the police station the first time. And funny enough, this night I had not been drinking any alcohol because I just, I knew something was building so I hadn't been sleeping and I went to bed and I locked the door and then when he came home with the boys he tried to open the door and he was telling me to open the door and I was screaming at him leave me alone it was the middle of winter in Johannesburg and I kept saying leave me alone leave me alone And then he proceeded to kick it and it was a very, very thick wooden door that he eventually kicked in and dragged me out of bed by my hair. Then he proceeded to fill up the bin in the bathroom and he threw two buckets of cold water on me and said he needed to do that to sober me up. And I was crying and I was telling him that I had not been drinking today because I had recognised to himself and the counsellor that we were seeing that it was becoming a problem. But I used to say to my ex-husband, you can't just keep kicking me when I'm down. I needed him to take my hand to make me feel better but he just kept making me feel worse about myself, about my weight, about my psoriasis. I remember running down the stairs, grabbing my car keys and locking myself in the car. And then he came into the garage and I swear to God, he nearly broke the window. The reason I got out is because my eight-year-old son was screaming on the other side and crying for me to get out of the car. When I got out of the car, my ex-husband pulled me back up the stairs with his fingers in my nose. He dragged me up the staircase by my nostrils. my God. I honestly thought when he had his hands around my neck that night, I was going to die. And I still believe he most likely would have killed me if my son... Was not there screaming and crying. When he finally stopped, I got back into my youngest son's bed and I was dripping wet still from the cold water. I had a really big jumper on because it was really cold. And I remember thinking that I would stay in my cold, wet clothes because I was too scared to fall asleep, so I knew that it would keep me awake. What about in the morning when you woke up? What was the situation? Was it a school day? He sent my eldest son in to apologise for him. It was my eldest son's birthday party at Bounce. My eldest son came in and said that Daddy said he's very, very sorry, Mummy, and he promises he'll never do that to you again. He said to me, Mummy, do you forgive Daddy, please? Can you forgive Daddy, please? And I said, yes.
0: Did you tell anyone about this at the time?
1: No. The only friend I made who knew about what was happening was over in England, and funny enough, she arrived home to South Africa the next day. And when we caught up, I had my scarf on, I must have moved it, and she said to me, what's on your neck? And then she drove me herself to Santon Police Station again. The constable there was very good and he put me on to a lady called Lana who was a support network for women in domestic violence situations. It had already escalated here back in Australia because my parents had already contacted the HR department. The reason he has his job still to this day is I covered for him. His HR department contacted me and said if there were any truth to the allegations, he would be terminated from his role in Australia. I had three different police reports, photos, hospital reports. But I'm a mother, and I thought if he didn't have an income, how are we to support the children? So I said nothing.
0: You decide, enough's enough.
1: That afternoon after the birthday party, I went and laid up in my eldest son's bed because it was dry and I was looking on the iPad and my ex-husband came in and was crying, said he was sorry and then he tried to be intimate with me. I felt so... ..much disgust. I was just disgusted. I I just I just knew that I didn't want to be with that man anymore. He just revolted me.
0: So you're in another country? Mm Mm-hmm. How do you leave?
1: I ended up going into hospital to a hospital for two weeks and I was diagnosed with Um, depression, I spent two weeks there. My ex-husband encouraged me to go in because of the um, alcohol levels that I was drinking. They assess you to what program they put you in. And I have a doctor's certificate from a clinical psychologist and I did not have alcoholism. I had depression due to my... Situation. I went into the clinic for the two weeks because I knew I'd be safe there, why arrangements were being made in Australia for our return. I ended up basically tricking my ex husband. When we were in South Africa, he had decided that he would live in the family home with the boys and I was welcome to stay in the home until I made arrangements to move out. I had already found out that he had put our finances in another account. So basically, right before we left South Africa, I knew that I could was possibly coming home to not being able to access any money whatsoever and be homeless. So my neighbour helped my parents into the home and changed the locks. And I had my good friend pick me up from the airport and I remember grabbing my bags. He had booked a holiday for himself and the boys at Mooloola Bar for two weeks. And I told him that I would meet them up there in a few days. And my girlfriend picked me up and the following day I went to the police station because I had visible injuries on me because in between leaving the hospital and the few days of getting on the plane to Australia, he assaulted me again. So I showed the police the injuries and filed a complaint. No, It was that look. He'd snap and it was terrifying. One of his brothers died of a heroin overdose. His father hung himself in, from his, in his prison cell. And his older two brothers, I would say, are quite dysfunctional. That's why I always thought my ex-husband was amazing. How he, he's so successful, he's a very smart man. I used to be in awe of him in the beginning. Nothing I did was ever right.
0: So your situation at the moment, you're divorced, you're officially divorced, mm. yay. Yay. You've got your own home. Mm-hmm. He's got his own home. Yes. The children are joint custody. Yeah. How are you finding that? Very, very, very difficult. For other people listening to this, to avoid the same thing happening to someone else, what advice can you give so they know when to say enough's enough before anything like this happens to them? I
1: don't know if I would be the best person to give advice at this stage. I still see a psychologist and a treating psychiatrist. I've found that very, very helpful tools for myself to understand how I lost myself so badly, how sad I got, how angry I got, how confused I got. I do feel really great these days, but I'm still trying to understand that myself. I think what I should have done is told my close girlfriends what was going on. But I was too lost in the disguise of The nice home, the nice car, two beautiful kids, handsome husband. I didn't want to lose the facade, but I did anyway. And I lost myself along the way. So I feel like I should have let a few more people know. Because it gets you to a point of such low self-worth that you do excuse the behaviour. You do get to a point where you think it is
0: you. Do you have happy times
1: now? I do. Funny, I'm finding a lot of happy places. Finally. it's It's been a long journey and I've had a lot of self-doubt and lack of confidence. I've had a lot of sadness and I've had a lot of anger. But currently I'm finding a lot of happy spaces. One is my home, that every time I turn the key, I actually smile when I walk into the door. It's it's mine and... It's everything that I put together. And funny, on a Friday afternoon when I pick up the boys from school and we get back to the cottage, we call it, even the boys say, Oh, Mummy, it's so nice to be home. I just want the boys to understand how much I love them. I hope that one day when they're men, they look back and they understand how hard I tried, how much I love them. And I will raise my boys to understand that respect for women is very important the way that we the way that they treat women. The way that they talk to women, the way that they are to look after a woman, and I also hope that they find women that respect them just as much as they will respect women. I think there will be a point one day that I'll look back and I think I will be proud of myself one day that I actually got through that roller coaster and came out on top.
0: 1-800-RESPECT is a national domestic and family violence counseling and information referral service. They'll work with you to help you identify what you can do and to find the right services or support for you. Everyone's situation is different and no one knows your situation better than you. They are available 24 hours a day, seven days a week. 1-800-737-732